Hello everyone, it's Wednesday, February 20th, and welcome to Pi Cubed, the podcast about science, technology, and anything else we find interesting. I'm your host, Francesco Buziello. Joining me today, as usual, is Salman Siddiqui. Hi Salman, how are you? Alright, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I, I enjoy recording a podcast at home because I can be in my slippers, and it's pretty comfy. Alright, let's just get into what we're going to talk about this week. Uh, let's start with the YouTube because we made a video and put it online. Um, you should watch it. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's called Why We Get Fat. And why do we get fat? Well, you should watch the video to find, to find out. It's pretty straightforward explanation. And you can find our videos at uh, youtube.com slash user podcast. That's the name of our channel. Or you could just go to the Facebook page for, um, uh, for PyCubed or the Twitter page. Or now we even have uh, WordPress. Um. Yeah, we have a WordPress blog that we haven't really updated much. We just have a couple of things on it. We're going to work on it a bit more, maybe add some uh, more in-depth discussion about the things we talk about in the videos or that we talk about in the podcast, maybe. But all the links are featured on all, all on the pages. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I made a mistake. The, the, the username on YouTube is uh, PyCubed Videos because they're videos, so <laughs> that would make sense. So yeah, the idea was to. I really like those uh, those videos on um, on YouTube from you know like uh, Minute Physics and the Crash Course and all these uh, very interesting short videos about interesting topics done very well. So I thought, well, I I'm gonna try to do some of those. And have you also seen uh, CGP Grey? Yeah, that's pretty good too. Yeah, uh, the one the first ones like really fast talking, lots of information, yeah. and really good. Obviously, like. Their illustration skills are much better than mine, like the the drawings they do, because I can't draw. I, I use lines. Yeah, but you know, once once you become uh, an animation pro, then I'm sure it's going to be a lot easier. Well, once we make money, I'm going to hire someone to do it for me. Uh, just like, the, you know, the South Park guys. Uh, which is what we're going to talk about next. Uh, we both watched a South Park documentary, which was quite interesting, which I think is relevant to what we're trying to do with the with the videos and stuff. Is uh, called Six Days to Air. It's a Comedy Central uh, documentary about the making of South Park, and basically they make a full episode of South Park in six days. Well, um, well, that's been the kind of hallmark of a South Park that they can um, that they can make uh, satire of of any kind of recent events. So mm-hmm. if there's anything in the news, like say the uh, say the elections happened, or or you know like another. Uh, that celebrity was um, has you know got a sort of tape released or something like that. Then, tape, yes. Yeah, like like a like a cassette, like a music tape, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. With you know with the night vision cameras right, and Paris Hilton's new single with night vision camera. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, they they can make topical humor. You know, just yeah. Obama got elected, so we can just talk about Obama this episode instead of waiting, you know, the ten eleven months that some a show like The Simpsons takes to make an episode. Obviously, the animation is much simpler, but I, I think I still think it's quite crazy that uh, they get in, you know, on Thursday morning at nine o'clock in the morning. They sit down in the writers' room. And it's like we have an episode to air on Wednesday, and what should we talk about? And it's evolved quite a lot since the first season. Like um, uh, having watched some of the first season episodes, they look very different, and and also uh, uh, the humor is quite quite different but well, it has well, been was it 14-15 seasons now yeah it's been a long time yeah. that I've been doing it 
I guess they kind of go into a rhythm so that everyone knows exactly what they have to do to make an episode. They have everyone has the, the task and they're really fast and efficient at it so that they can make an episode in six days. And uh, it's just, I think doing it in six days is it's, it's insane because it's just you don't have time for like you know uh, a second draft, your first draft. Yeah. That, that's it because you write once and then no, oh, it's ready Tuesday, so you have to. Yeah, I mean. I mean, recent seasons, um, uh, some of the episodes have been quite indifferent. Like, you get a few really funny episodes, and then there have been a lot of, uh, like, um, quite uh, slow uh, parodies of, like, films or other sort of other TV shows. But I think back in, like, season 8 to 10 were kind of... Nearly every episode was really funny. Love that whole, oh. yeah, I, I guess shows always have you know high points and low points, and I, I just find some uh, episodes of South Park they focus too much on uh, like the the scatological aspect of it, you know, like poop jokes, which which are fine, but if you make it the focus of a whole episode, just it gets a bit you know like bit plus, boring. L- like for example, some of them uh, they're uh, they're making a parody of like of like uh, an American TV show, which which I haven't watched, obviously, so I have no idea what they're making reference to. So the whole episode is kind of lost on me. Yeah, I can imagine. And that. then, uh, and then there's some which are which are really obvious. Like they did one which was a straight like knockoff of was it Inception? Okay. And um, was that funny or was it just? It was kind of stupid, but uh, oh, but uh, but in the South Park way, yeah. Okay. Well, that's the obviously the problem with topical comedy is that you're gonna watch some of these episodes in ten years and they're not gonna make any sense at all, because obviously the Obama one or you know whatever important events that people will remember, sure those will still play, but some of them will not. Like you know, a, a long lost TV show like no one watches that anymore. It's just not gonna not gonna play. But I don't know. That's uh, that's what we're talking about. It's Six Days to Air. You should watch it. It's on Netflix, I think. It's pretty cool. Moving on to actual science. Actually, let's play some music first. Going back to science, uh, there were a couple of things that happened on the same day the last week, uh, during this week. Uh, there was a meteorite, or a meteor, there's some uh, confusion about that, who la- which landed in Russia, somewhere in, uh, in Russia, which was... Uh, lots of people got hurt. Uh, fortunately, no one died, which is, which is cool. Thumbs up. It's quite crazy that it actually hit the earth. But, you know, just to make it clear for all, yeah. for all the young people out there, what's the difference between a meteor and a meteorite? I think a, a meteor is one which disintegrates in the atmosphere and a, and a meteorite is something which actually hits the earth in, in one block, which obviously has a much different effect because a big block of of rock hitting the earth has much much bigger impact than... Uh... So, so the thing that happened in Russia was actually a meteorite? Was it? Well, it hit the earth. Well, did it? I mean, did, did it hit one piece or was it small? Because people were trying to look for pieces. Well, I don't know the sort of uh, finer details, but yeah. um, but there are pieces which you can supposedly buy now because there's some people who are trying to sell uh, shards of rock and they're trying to uh, claim it as as was it, bits of meteorites. So. Yeah, I read an article on the BBC was saying that to be really careful when buying this stuff because the only way to determine if it's a, if it's a actual piece of a meteor or a meteorite is first of all it needs to have like the, the really burned edge on the outside because it, you know it's going really fast through the atmosphere and burning up as it goes through but 
you can still fake that. So the only way to actually tell is to get an expert to examine it, which of course most people will not do, and probably buy lots of probably obsidian from some kind of <laughs> mine in Russia and say, oh, it's uh, it's a meteorite. What any idea what uh, what the uh, composition of this meteorite was? I, I don't know. Do you? I have no idea, but um, uh, I'm I I remember uh, the um last year's Royal Society Christmas lectures. They okay. they had a really interesting one where they where they showed bits of uh, of a meteorite, okay, and uh, and the structure inside was was like very distinct um. Uh, uh, compared to earth rock yeah because of because of the time that it what? takes to uh, yeah. cool and, and and like it's and like and like it's cooled for for like a period that is probably longer than the earth has been in existence yeah. so like the crystal structure of it's quite different yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a really uh, the, the in, you know there are lots of uh, meteors that fall on earth every year the the interesting uh, part about, about this one, obviously, plus people got injured, is that it landed in a popular area, which is is surprisingly rare because the Earth is most of the Earth is not I mean, there's no people there, there's the oceans and stuff, and also it was captured on cameras, lots of cameras. <laughs> there was there was a really cool video of this guy who was in a you know I think it was in a somewhere in a park, there was snow everywhere, and there's like the meteor <clears throat> passing through, and you can hear like. Tens and tens of sonic booms as they're going past. By the way, what's up with all these Russians who are always filming when they're driving? I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a national pastime. Uh, but because the the meteorite is traveling, I think it was fifty, sixty thousand kilometers an hour. Yeah. Which is pretty fast. Uh, so it's you know fifty, sixty times the speed of sound. So you had loads of uh, sonic booms because all the shock waves must have been crazy on the on the meteorite. But yeah, so it kind of reinforced the idea that uh, you know that the Earth is uh, is kind of like a target in the middle of of the uni- of the universe of all these rocks, especially because during the same day there was another asteroid, not a meteorite, because it didn't fall to the to Earth, it was an asteroid which passed pretty close to the Earth. How how far was it? Like ten thousand kilometers? Yeah, there. I think which is not that far because the Moon is one hundred fifty thousand kilometers away, so it's closer to the Earth than the Moon. So. And obviously everyone was very relieved that it didn't hit the earth because that was a, quite a big one obviously not nowhere near as close as the dinosaur one which was I think it was 20 kilometers long which was supposedly, huge supposedly yeah. actually we mentioned this last week but then we had to cut it because the audio went weird uh, but scientists are getting really close to proving that there was a meteorite that uh, killed the dinosaurs uh, because they found evidence of uh, uh, meteorite asteroid impact in this case a meteorite uh, hitting the earth around the same period where the dinosaurs died out so, so obviously with something that big were it heading for earth um, astronomers would know in like say they would like have probably a 10 year window to think that uh, to prepare but, um, but uh, you know there's a, a misconception about meteorites that um you know, if you watch Star Wars, right? There's a scene in the second moment in in a asteroid field, and all the asteroids are really packed close together. But actually, for example, in the asteroid belt between uh, Mars and Jupiter, like the average distance between meteorites is two hundred thousand kilometers, which is more than the distance between the Earth and the Moon. <laughs> so, an asteroid field is just it's very very sparse, and most asteroids are not very reflective, so it's hard to tell where they are. Um, 
and obviously people are a bit worried about that because all all we need is a meteorite and we will all die, uh, or most of us would die. I mean, we will watch the Deep Impact. We all die. That's not that was not a good movie. Uh, or was it we could have someone that goes up onto the meteorite? Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck. Yeah, and, uh, and then Southern sort of sacrifice drillers, it. and they're gonna drill the asteroid man. Then you have a was it Aerosmith song playing <laughs> in the background and. Yeah, but uh, there was there was actually a very interesting article on the Guardian about how we would go about, um, you know, saving ourselves from asteroids. Well, haven't NASA and ESA, um, which have, is uh, the European Space Agency, haven't they started to? They have a couple of projects. Yeah, yeah. they're like looking into how to detect smaller sized um, asteroids. And, yeah, uh, I think there's uh, one project which wants to um, like. Uh, three weeks notice for an asteroid size that we that passed the Earth the other day which was 50 meters I think length uh, but the problem is that once you find the asteroid you have to reach it and do something to it right? well yeah well there was it three the three things you can uh, do yeah three possible uh, approaches so was the gentle pull which uh, would be using the gravitational attraction to like slowly divert the asteroid away yeah, so, so if you have enough uh, um warning that the asteroid is coming you can send in theory a, a spaceship obviously remote controlled and you have it uh, you stick it next to the asteroid and that will change the gravitational pull on the asteroid because it would be pulled by very slightly so it's... by the by the by this uh, ship and the fact is that uh, it's very very small the force but the earth in the end of the day is a very small thing in the middle of nothing because the universe is huge so in you know, over, over a year or so, it would have enough that it would miss the Earth by quite a big margin. The then, second one? The second one was, uh, I think it was using a nuclear explosion. I think that was the last That's resort. The, last one. Yeah, right. the, the second one was... A swift uh, kick or something? Was a swift kick, yeah, which would just push it out of... Just send a spaceship when you yeah. tap it on the side and then that would change the trajectory. Yep. And then the last one was the nuclear explosion. Which, which is, the, which is uh, the Bruce Willis approach. Yeah, but uh, it's a bit different because I think in Armageddon they tried to blow up the asteroid, right? Yeah, which would be quite disastrous because you'd have radioactive pieces of rock flying towards Earth. Yeah, I think uh, the article mentioned it was like you were changing like, a, a big bullet into a buckshot, a yeah. shotgun blast. Uh, so that wouldn't be good. Uh, obviously, I don't know. I mean, the impact of one large asteroid would probably be much worse than lots of tiny ones, but lots of tiny ones are still not good but the object was to have an explosion big enough to sort of push it back on itself yeah so you're, you're not exploding the asteroid you're, you're having a nuclear explosion a bit far away from it so that you push it off course basically with this, uh, yeah. and basically what happens I think if it, they want to vaporise the top layers of one side of the asteroid and this release of gas will push the asteroid off course so that was the uh, that was the idea so yeah so you know um the last time an asteroid killed lots of things it was 64 million years ago allegedly so we shouldn't worry too much but it's nice that we are working out how to survive uh, you know natural disasters like this that we have you mm. know in theory no control over so if the dinosaurs had a space program they'd still build sorry they would still be alive yeah, we, we wouldn't be here t- telling you about dinosaurs now there would uh. still be uh, you know, maybe they were like you know like lizard podcasts <laughs> the right. lizard man is here Let's, let's play some music. Alright, uh, now let's talk about still some science, I guess more on the health side of things. Uh, the, there was a report from the 
Royal Society of Medicine or some other royal society in the UK, some something to do with doctors. They said that uh, the government should tax uh, fizzy drinks, or at least that was the, the headline was fizzy drinks. Well, the actual uh, report said sugary drinks, which is slightly different. Uh, so, what do you think about that? Should we tax uh, things that are bad for you? I mean, we we really tax cigarettes and stuff. Well, then where do we stop? Really, should do we start um, uh, taxing hi- high calorie um, sweets and chocolates and? And um, even even was it fruit juices? So like um, from concentrate orange juice, they have a high sugar content. So would they be included? Well, the taxing things, uh, people people are complaining that oh, the taxing thing just makes them more expensive. It doesn't stop people using them. That's not true because cigarettes, the uh, the amount of people who smoke has decreased by a lot in the last 30-40 years since introduced very high taxes on them. So taxes do work in reducing consumption of products. It's just, it's, uh, it's obviously it's a very invasive thing that people say, oh, I want to be able to, you know, drink whatever I want and the, the nanny state cannot control me. Like the same with alcohol at the moment. Well, yeah, but uh, I think there should definitely be um, uh, an awareness campaign saying, "Oh, this this bottle of Coke is 300 calories." Yeah, I don't think I don't think people are actually aware of what they're consuming at the moment. Like, if if, if you told someone, right, I say, "I'm giving you a Big Mac," you know, "Oh, Big Mac is bad for you." Giving you a bottle of Coke, I, ch- I checked this before. It's 300 calories a bottle of Coke, of regular Coke, of course, not diet. And a Big Mac is 500 calories, so it means that you're eating three fifths of a Big Mac just drinking a bottle of Coke. Which drinking a bottle of Coke, you don't feel like you know you're. you're doing much it's but not as filling is it it's not so. as filling and uh, it's sugary People, apparently sugar is bad for you I'm not too convinced about that well, but definitely yeah. cal- calorie wise that's another argument there so. calorie wise it's, it's, it's just you know you go to a cinema you, you get a, a big uh, a big you know portion of coke like one litre one litre of coke is just, it's just like it's a humongous it, amount yeah. it's a, more than a Big Mac yeah which of course is not the most cal- caloric uh hamburger but if you told someone Big Mac is, they would think it's all the calories it's 150 grams of pasta it's like a big portion of pasta and you were drinking it it just doesn't make sense so if people knew uh, this then maybe they would drink less fizzy drinks I'm not sure if people will but like you would have like health warnings on coke or something just saying oh this bottle contains as many calories as I don't know a slab of cheese and then people would understand it more what do you think <laughs> uh, Do you think we should have warning like Coca-Cola can give you lung cancer if you smoke it, or? Well, no. <laughs> Someone has no opinion on the subject. Do you drink uh, Coke and uh, fizzy drinks and stuff? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. What about uh, like milk or orange juice? Milk, yeah. Uh, um, fresh orange juice, yeah, sure. Okay, because I I drink quite a lot of fizzy drinks, but. It's been years now that I switched to the diet versions of, of them. Okay, how have they changed or affected what you've been consuming? Well, uh, they just was it. I wasn't I wasn't much of a drinker of, of fizzy drinks in the first place, so I basically started drinking a lot of diet ones straight away because I, I already I was already aware at the time of how okay. bad they are, in terms of not how bad they are. That's a, everything is bad to you in different quantities. It's just that. Um, Aware of how many calories they they well you have. know people should be well, they should be responsible for themselves and uh, 
and I think it, in this country obesity is having quite an impact on on the health service here so um, so if it does go uh, uh, like a little way to sort of their their contribution towards the health service and um, uh, it, it uh, I suppose it's it's um, a good thing and if it stops people from from like having less coke than they were having before um, I'm sure that would have a, a positive impact on on the individual's health and uh, um, and I'd say to everybody out there that it's probably a much better idea if you if you hydrate yourself with with uh, with the water than with coke anyway so yeah sugary drinks definitely uh, also there's uh, some people who object to uh because there was a, a really interesting ad for um, Coke, which went online a, few, a while ago, which I showed you, which was that Coke was talking about how a calorie imbalance will lead you to get fat. So here, are, here is a range of diet drinks, which is quite a big step from you know from a company like Coke saying, no, you shouldn't drink the sugary stuff. We're going to reduce the portions and we're going to um, have even more options in the diet was side. It? They were saying that in. Uh uh, the US schools they're only having uh, the diet versions yeah. of which, drinks which is, which is good that's, that's really good that's a big step up I think why the, why have they got um, vending machines in schools in the first place but anyway yeah, well <laughs> yeah, people like to drink uh, stuff which is not water I mean I like water but I also enjoy you know the occasional you know diet ginger beer or something uh, but the, the thing is that some people are afraid of um, of the sweetness because people claim that aspartame will kill you, will give you cancer, and all sorts of things, which of course it's it's not. I'm gonna say it's not true because it isn't. Uh, aspartame has been around for I think 40 years now, since the 70s, and it's one of the most tested food additives there is because it's been around for so long. And there is one study which linked aspartame to cancer in rats, in which they were giving rats about I think five grams of aspartame which is the equivalent of a man getting you know several kilos of aspartame a day so of course anything in I mean, large amounts well, five kilos of aspartame a day is probably like you know several thousands of glasses of coke <laughs> so i think the water in the glass of coke probably drink you much faster than you getting cancer from the aspartame so it's probably quite safe i'm gonna say not to be a corporate shill but I don't see why uh, the science does not back up the claim that aspartame is not good for you. So, so yeah. So well, yeah. If, if you're gonna drink fizzy drinks or sugary drinks, I don't see why you are. But drink diet versions, and you should be better off. Or better still run. avoid them. I, I I like them. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's play some music. All right. So today it's uh, it's Wednesday, twentieth of February. And tonight, uh, as we talked about last week, uh, uh, Sony is announcing the PS4, or at least or it they could better announce the PS4, or everyone will be very disappointed. It might just be another add-on for the PS Vita. Yeah, everyone will be very excited about the PS Vita. It's just, uh, it's just, it, it, it doesn't make sense anymore uh, to have uh, portable consoles, because uh, video games are now so popular on smartphones that it just... I mean, I downloaded the other day, it was free, because it was free. A game called Infinity Blade, which was the fi- I think it was the first Unreal Engine game on on the on the iPhone. And it just it looks like a console game, uh, and it runs on my iPhone. 
It's great. It's, the game is not very good. Like, a game using the Unreal Engine yeah. on an iPhone. I'll, I'll show you after. It's crazy. Like The gameplay is a bit boring because it's a phone game. Uh, I don't really like the art style or whatever. But it just, as a tech demo, it looks really impressive. And and the fact is that now the phones can do that. But also mobile gaming is, is about simple games, right? If you want to have the console experience, you have it on a, on a console at home. I don't want to play, you know, Halo on a, on a portable console or, you know, or Uncharted. I want to play sure, them on a big yeah. TV. So you either give me... glorious HD and... Yeah, you either give me like a, like a simple puzzle game or an endless runner, like on, on the phone, uh, and you can play them, you know, five minutes and then that that's it. Uh, but then I already have a phone, so... Oh, would DS style games, they're... Are they perfect, uh, I think? For the phone, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you have a touchscreen, you can play... Adventure games on your phone. You can play all the Monkey Islands on your phone, the, the old ones, and yeah. So we'll see. Probably PS4. We'll know more next week. We don't so too much. So on that subject, um, yeah. uh, what are you most hoping for um, from the PS4? Well, I will in the next uh, generation of consoles. What what would you like to see from them? Like, as someone who plays video games, uh, who's been playing video games for a long time now, uh, I enjoy good. Uh, triple A games because you know those games that cost lots of money to make and uh, big cinematic experiences because for other types of games like gimmicky games there's always the indie games on Steam or those kinds of things so hopefully they'll be powerful enough to look really nice and to have you know say the next uh, Assassin's Creed game will have you know thousands of people on the screen instead of, a few, of uh, 50 well a big power really cool. boost that goes without saying but um, any other Features or anything that you're but that you're particularly looking forward to. Uh, anything that we, that they've mentioned so far, like the, the someone is speculating that the PS4 controller will have a touch screen like the Vita, okay, or like, or like the you know the Wii U, or that the Xbox will have Kinect packed in and you you'll have to use it. Backwards and compatibility? Not interested. The, That's important. That's probably not going to happen though, because uh, I think with the like the PS2 and PS1, the, the PS1 chip wasn't the PS2 because it was so cheap to manufacture but it just wouldn't make sense for them to to have the whole Xbox 360 in a new Xbox or PS3 in a PS4 what about the end of actual physical games that um, that you have to go to purchase rather they all just be like downloaded like from a Steam I shop I like downloading games because it means I don't have to go to the shop or wait for Amazon to send me the game uh, and Steam is really good on PC because they have sales all the time so uh, if you want a game, you can buy it at full price when it comes out. But uh, you know, at some point in six months or a year, they'll have a sale. It'll be cheap. At the moment, games you can buy on PS3 and Xbox, you have to pay them for them full price. Like you can buy a five-year-old game on Xbox Games on Demand, and it's forty pounds. And that that would that would suck if it's only online only. Yeah. Like you can buy them online. If they have a competitive selection, then, then sure, why not? Well, on that note, Steam has just been released for uh, the Linux platform as well. So yeah, so they've games got like a whole host of um, games on sale that are for Linux. Yeah, but but they're, they're all like indie games, which already already had Linux versions. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't really uh, you know much work down to that. We'll see if if you know new big games will have Linux versions because I'm not so sure. Uh, maybe they will. Apparently, the, the new Nvidia support for Linux is pretty good. So it should run quite well, but we'll see. Because uh, uh, Valve wants to launch uh, Steambox, which is like the uh, like a PC, but their own know, little console. 
Yeah, like like a home theater PC, but and that's like going to run uh, a Linux based uh, platform, right? Probably, yeah. So they don't have to pay license to Microsoft, but we'll see about that. I, that's all speculation, so I'm not sure. All right, uh, let's talk about a few more things. Um, last week we talked about uh, Netflix. House of Cards, the original series from uh, Netflix. Now you've been watching. I House finished of Cards. it. Oh, you finished it already. Well, it's thirteen episodes. It's been a week, so it's like two a day. It, it, it's that's the problem with the uh, the model they have is that um, you can just binge watch all the show, and that's what I kind of did because it's so good. They just want to know how it ends. Which is what House of Cards was actually meant to do, right? Uh, what do you mean? Um, to keep you, to keep you entertained for yeah, to keep you watching well well uh all the episodes were out at once so you could just watch it all in one go if you wanted to yeah you could uh i didn't because that's 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 13 hours of television that's a bit too much <laughs> or 11 hours of television but yeah it's uh it's a really good show it's really well acted really well done so uh impressive it's not the, the, the first original show they had one before but definitely they've they've you know they've They've made a show which can compete with the best shows on networks, you know, HBO, Showtime. So is this, cable. so is this pointing towards the future of of like um, uh, of like these big uh, TV shows that they're all that they're going to stop being uh, released weekly, um, rather the rather all available at once. I I think networks as they exist right now will survive for 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 a bit longer, definitely. Uh, but there's definitely a shift uh, and I, I don't know how fast it will happen uh, because at the end of the day I mean the way networks work is that you have a, a weekly show is that so you can sell advertisement for it right because you, you produce anticipation and next week at this time you will have this show which means that we can sell these ads for it which means that we can show them you in this, this show which have lots of audience because people last week are watching it and that's how we make money uh, so that will be hard to change because you know it's been going on for since the since the beginning of television. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it will change? Well, um, this reminds me about an interesting article I read, which was the there's a little battle going on between Hollywood and uh, and uh, Silicon Valley at the moment, um, like a kind of power struggle with the way that that media and entertainment is being um, delivered. Okay, so t- what, do, what do you mean? Just, uh, like, what is Silicon like some companies, extreme companies, or yeah, yeah, like say for example, um, your a sort of tech companies. So you've got um, Apple TV, Netflix, okay. um, that are uh, that have um, that have like content delivery. Services. Yeah, so they're all uh, available when you want them. Um, yeah, like iTunes uh, as, Video yeah. and uh, Amazon and, On Demand, and then you have to compare it to uh, the. Uh, the traditional model where say like these th- these like big networks on a cable TV they'd only be uh, releasing it um, as as they wanted and then and then like a- and then like you said a- advertising was a big part of um, of uh, the business model but now um, uh, but now with the increase of of uh, streaming and um, and um, and uh, and on-demand TV is kind of uh, changing uh, the whole business now. 
So they're basically worried. Hollywood. Yep. And uh, as they should be though. And as um, uh, the way things are, um, people are quite resistant to change. Uh, well, people in general. Well, it's going to ruin their whole business model. Yeah. So. Um, well, the, the the thing is that they're either going to adapt or they they're gonna they're gonna fail. I mean, uh, there's just there's no way that they can survive uh, uh, with this business model forever. So we'll see, we'll see. It's interesting. It's an interesting shift in how we get our content. All right, uh, space of music, and let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about electric cars. There was a story this week in the, well, there was a review in the New York Times uh, about the Tesla Model S, which is the newest. Uh, Tesla car, which is completely electric, electric powered car. It doesn't use, uh, well, it does use, you know, carbon stuff, but uh, of course, because to make electricity, you need that stuff. But uh, in theory, it's much more efficient than uh, petrol cars because if your energy is produced by a big giant power, um, power, big power station, power station, that's the one. Which in this doing. country is likely to be a big coal plant. Well, it's still going to be, you know, 5-10% more efficient than the engine in your car. So, it's not much, but it's better than nothing. Okay. Uh, and there was a review in the New York Times that, which was uh, uh, really criticizing the Tesla S. And it was written not by the New York Times' usual auto-editor, but by someone who usually writes about oil and gas in the New York Times. And so there was, uh, there was a big, uh, uh, you know, big... Uh, people on the internet were not happy and Tesla was not happy uh, well yeah um, was it uh, a, a Tesla's uh, an American um, yeah, uh, yeah. A, a car manufacturer right yes uh, yeah um, uh, the oil industry and uh, the motor industry they kind of joined at the hip um, of course yeah, yeah. and uh, and, uh, and so it's obvious that the oil industry um won't be happy at, at seeing a shift towards electric cars and also hybrid vehicles, uh, which is why, which is why they haven't come around earlier, um, and it's taken this long for for these um, uh, big car manufacturers to actually go towards electric cars, where whereas the technology has actually been around for a long time. Well, well, electric cars are ready at the beginning of the twentieth century. Exactly. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, obviously the the batteries are not as good a hundred years ago, so there were some issues there, and so eventually the oil, you know, oil powered cars, petrol and uh, gas, gasoline and uh, diesel cars won out. But the uh, demand wasn't there for the batteries to be as good. Uh, no, and also like the delivery method. I mean, um, Tesla has built a bunch of uh, supercharged stations where you have uh, have their own. Uh, uh, super powered charging st- just said it before super powered charging station which basically charges your car very quickly compared to a normal I guess they have a higher voltage of higher amperage mm-hmm. than uh, probably than your standard outlet uh, but massive obviously, capacitors but obviously whatever. if you buy one of these cars you're limited to you know the highways or whatever in the USA that have these I don't think there are any in Europe for example so it would be a bit of pain to buy one of those cars here uh, unless of course you know you, you use it as a city car then well um uh Oh, London has a has an increasing number of of the charging stations, hasn't it? Does it? I I've never seen one though. Where are they? Maybe outside. Of the they I would do it around because um, 
because uh, well, you get quite a few electric cars around uh, central London. The Nissan Leaf, and yeah, for the congestion charging um, purposes. But um, the G Wiz. Oh yeah, the, uh, the yeah. death trap. It's just a yeah. piece of aluminium just stopping from dying. Not good, but save the environment, not your life. Well, um, yeah, uh, I think the whole point is is that is that the air is a lot cleaner to breathe in 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 the center of London than it is in say was it Beijing? Oh, yeah, Beijing looks terrible. Yeah, I lived in uh, Addis Ababa uh, ten years ago or so, and uh, in the morning when you would go, because it's, it's on a mountain, it's on a it's a 2,500 meters above sea level. And so you're up on the hill, descending, descending into the city, and you can see just like this, uh, this dome-like shape of uh, of smog over the city, and and that was because you know obviously they use very old cars, like 50 years old, and uh, lots of pollution. But still, most Africans don't have a car. At least at the time in Ethiopia was still quite poor. In Beijing now, China's getting more and more cars, and more and more people. It just it's not like a dome of 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 smog. It's just like it's like this it's like huge, a mushroom <laughs> yeah it's like, it's like a cloud it's just it's basically like fog but it, you know from where the smoke comes from but it's just it's complete it just it goes from ground level all the way up to the you know to the sky it's just, it's it looks crazy I, I wouldn't want to live in Beijing LA doesn't look much better does it at times yeah that's, that's true uh, but so at least our oh, London's pushing in the right uh, yeah arm direction there even the um uh the signs that some of these um, uh, green people used saying that they're so much more better for the environment um, that that's still there to be questioned well, definitely better for breathable as we, as we yeah. said but uh, for the environment in terms of carbon emissions You're still they are, they're about you know maybe 10-15% better than petrol cars yeah. I mean, how efficient is a petrol car? 30-35%? Thermal efficiency. They're now pushing forty percent. Uh, but a, yeah. like a, a cohesion-generating power plant, in theory, could reach around you know sixty, seventy percent. Yeah. But there aren't that many of those, so usually they're around forty, forty-two. I remember having an argument with someone who was saying that, um, saying that these electric cars there was it hundred percent clean, and 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 I was trying to kind of get them to uh, realize Where that the electricity has to be. Uh, produced somewhere and even if you're sticking it into uh, the mains that's still being but still burning fossil fuels somewhere coal yeah uh, yeah uh, just like we said in our video this week uh, energy can only be transformed so it has to come from somewhere uh, you know, all, all of the energy which is on earth comes from the sun yeah. basically uh, you know like even renewable energy like you know the, the rain produces rivers which then transform into hydroelectric energy the sun heats up the air and you get winds and you get uh, wind energy etc um, so nothing really is renewable just that the sun is kind of you know it will be there for a long time so we consider it renewable but obviously it isn't one day the sun will die well, all our energy in theory actually comes from the big bang doesn't it well yes <laughs> yeah uh, and in theory one day there won't be any left and the universe will collapse the, was it the heat death, heat death yeah. the universe. So there, will, there will not be any entropy left to occupy change so just nice but it's not gonna, it, this is not going to happen in our lifetime or in or in humanity's lifetime or 
maybe even in the history of of the of the solar system when um when have uh, uh scientists uh predicted the heat death of the universe will occur I don't know, it's billions of years. I think it was in the, was it tens of billions, yeah. Tens of billions, okay. Yeah. Because the universe has been around 14 point something billion years, 14.5, right? Yeah. And the Earth has been around for 6 million years? Yeah. <laughs> half that. On the order. A little less than half. Uh, and we've been around for 10,000 years as humans, so it's a very, 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 like, you know. Well, on a geological scale, we don't even we don't, make we an don't, impact. You know, we, we, well, we might actually be like the first think ever to actually change the universe which is not you know uh, in a significant enough way obviously in the grand scale of thing probably not but considering that the earth is the only livable planet we know we, we, we with all this you know global warming and stuff we might make catastrophic changes to it we don't know so um, like that gets me thinking um where if people are looking for extra um terrestrial life on other planets and in other solar systems um, obviously there's a really small chance but um, the chances are are more higher that there was once in that in that really long time spans another civilization living on a, on a far distant planet somewhere else and um, so so not only in another place but in another time oh yeah I mean We've been there again. We've been there for ten thousand years, uh, and the way we've come about uh, is, you know, evolution and stuff. Uh, does not necessarily have to work in the same way. I mean, we could have evolved a, a billion years ago, or just now, or in two billion years, and so which means that, you know, maybe someday there will be intelligent life on other planets. But it might not happen at the same time that we are still human. So I wonder what the chances are that the, uh, are that two um, forms of intelligent life on two separate planets or systems both come about at the same time. Well, the, ch- the chance is, is is very small, but then again, the universe is is mind-bogglingly big. So I don't know. It's it's hard to say, uh, but. You know, uh, we'd be happy if we found life like bacteria on a different planet. That would be hugely exciting because, in theory, once you have bacteria, then you can have evolution, right? You can, you can keep going. Well, evidence of water gets um, gets was it most um, gets most uh, astronomers wet, doesn't it? So. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, as as far as we know, right? Uh, you know, the Earth is covered in water, right? But the crust of the earth is, is, is very thin compared to the rest of you know, the magma underneath the mantle and the core it's a few you know, t- tens of kilometers thick uh, and of that not much of it is, is water because you know it doesn't go that deep in, in the crust and that water as far as you know is the only water which exists in the entire universe there is no water anywhere else that we know of so if, if you really wanted to, to dilute something a lot yeah you, you need it, you know, where you would find the water, which wouldn't be anything any left. Well, what was it? What would you want to um, dilute that much? Nothing. Uh, we, yeah, we, we, we're working on, on a video about homeopathy, so we'll have that up in a few weeks and we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, it, it's just crazy that um, how. Anyway, even if there, if there are, if there is life outside of, of the earth, it's just so far. Like, for me, it's far to, you know, to. to fly to Germany or something or to fly to Africa and that's just like it's, it's nothing compared to you know 
the sun, which is pretty close, right? It's the closest star by far. It's eight minutes away if you were traveling at the speed of light. If you were walking to the sun, you would never get you there, never. of course. <laughs> Uh, but even if you had a like a like a spaceship, it would take, well, take what you about a the long closest, time to get there. Um, so what about the closest star to our solar it's, system? Uh, Proxima Centauri. Alpha Centauri. Well, uh, Alpha Centauri, I think, is the system, and okay, Proxima yeah, is yeah. the closest. Right. Proxima means close in Latin or Greek. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't do the classics. Sorry. Uh, I think it's Latin, and that's four light years away, which uh, is far. Because <laughs> if you, if you were traveling. With like the Voyager, right, which is one of the fastest things we've ever built, uh, Voyager two, or Voyager one, Wait, it, it two, right? Two, yeah. And it's the fastest. It is the furthest human-made thing. Well, it's ever. only just recently left our solar system. Well, well, it hasn't left the solar system, kind of, because the solar system is quite big. Like, there's there are bands of solar system which don't have planets. Well, it's gone which are, past. Uh, it's, know, it's really freaking far, but it hasn't left the solar system in you know took it 40 years 40, 40 years to yeah. the solar system which means that it's probably you know like uh, a l one or two light hours away and <laughs> the closest star is four light years away can you believe what was actually on there there was a record um, a golden record yeah, but the Beatles weren't on it because EMI didn't want them to because <laughs> of copyright issues like, who's you, gonna <laughs> you, you, you're sending a freaking spaceship to to who God knows where, and you're you're worried about copyright. But imagine if, like, you know, some some form of intelligent life does see it. There was a there's a picture on there of of a of a two naked humans. All right. And um, and you've got and you've got this disc, um, a device which works by grooves and slots. Don't you think what what uh. What a primitive um, species they were. Well, that is assuming that they see light the same way we do, right? I mean, we see light, you know, like it's like many wave, but maybe they have some kind of form of radar to see things. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe the the visual spectrum is different, so that the the picture just looks black to them or white, <laughs> right? You just don't know if they exist, of course, in the first place. It's just it, it makes you feel small. Uh, just how you know how vast and time and and space is, but uh, it also makes you feel awesome that we as humans, right, who you know have lots of animal needs like going to the toilet and you know reproducing and eating and stuff, we are able to explain like how we came about and what we're going to do next, and we can travel outside of our our planet where we you know we evolved. That's that's pretty crazy. I mean, we, we are as far as we know we, we are the first to do that 100 years ago that would have even been quite far-fetched someone well, setting foot on the moon what well there was there was a you know, Jules Verne who wanted to go to the moon with a, with a cannon but <laughs> uh, so there were people who thinking that going to the moon was you know, obviously it was science fiction but it wasn't you know um, it was something that in theory you, you wanted to do because the moon is the moon is pretty the moon is just, just around the corner I mean 150,000 kilometers oh. away is well, nothing. What was it? Astronomical terms, it's next door. It is next door. Yeah. Well, the astronomical unit is distance from the Earth to the Sun, right? Yeah. Which is 150 million kilometers. And so, which is uh, a thousand times more than the Earth and the Moon, so it's much further away. Actually, the Moon is 300,000 kilometers away. Anyway, it's much less. It's a few hundred thousand kilometers. Um, Do you so think we're... We, I say as... Um, as the human race will ever set, f set foot on Mars? Yeah, probably, yeah. Mars, definitely. 
Well, we can go to Mars in a couple of years. That's even less than that. six months, right? A round trip is one year. Yeah, uh, I think so. But um, there of course needs to be a reason to go there. I, I guess setting foot on a different planet is a pretty good reason to go there. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but you the billions it's gonna cost and. Uh, and and the fact is that there was a an experiment they did in Russia. The, the one where they left um, people the, in they, a room. They locked five people up in a in a simulated uh, well, spaceship. But how long was it? I think it was six months. Six months or eight months. It was it was the length of a it was the length of a round trip to Mars. So maybe it was a year. So so perhaps. And apparently, uh, pretty crazy. people started going. It wasn't going crazy, but they stopped cooperating. They started operating on different uh, schedules. They were just you know they. People started going to sleep at different times. Well, different have, biological clock people would go to sleep different yeah. times so they would just never sync up and do the things that they were supposed to do <laughs> uh, but a couple a couple of people cope really well uh, I think two out of five people or six people who remained there were but the other ones did not cope very well so so, so there's only going to be a very uh, select few that will that actually have the ability to even go to Mars and, um, and travel well, uh, uh, Let's see. You know, it's it's one experiment. Let's see. Firstly, they take um, sort of scientists and I mean engineers to go, and then out of them, they're going to take the physically abled ones. So that cuts the number down quite a lot. And then from there, they they have to they have to be able to withstand all the. They have to have a like like quite a um, a large uh, what's it mental toughness. Well, before they can even be considered well, to go, in, in, I think they would send military people because you have you, know, you have a chain of command and you have orders and rules, and they're much more likely to follow than civilians. But also, what I wanted to say before was that um, this study is not conclusive because it's one thing to because the you know if you told these people that you would send them to Mars, right, and they believed they were going to Mars. Their behavior might be completely different from them knowing that it's just an experiment. Oh, I see. Okay. Because, say you want to freak out and you want to leave, you can always say, "Hey, I'm freaking out. Stop the experiment," and then let you go because they can keep you inside, right? Yeah. But if you are if traveling you know to you're Mars, in the middle of nowhere, if you're actually in the middle of nowhere, then you might actually behave differently because then you think, "Oh, I can't be bothered to do this," but if we don't, we die. <laughs> so, just different motivations. Uh, and you know, uh, but the also the the trope of the of one of the crew member going crazy is a, is a big in, one in science fiction. Well, do you want to go to Mars? <sighs> I think I think we're too old to go to Mars because by the time we we get ready to go, we're going to be in our fifties probably. No, I'm not asking about whether it's possible. Would, would you want to? I'm not sure. Uh, I think I don't w- think I want to put myself through that months, uh, but, months and months of doing nothing. Think. That, um, in if there is no life on Mars, right, and you are the first person to go to Mars, you will be the first time ever a uh, living thing set foot on Mars. Right? Okay. In terms of you know, what am I going to do with my life? I think that's a, that's a pretty good motivation. Say you know, what what did you do with your life, Francesco? Oh, I went to Mars. What did you do? Will anyone care at the end of the day? Well, you would. Come on. In yeah. a few thousand years from people, now, people care about Neil Armstrong. He went to the moon, man. Mars is much further away. Then again, we we're talking about the existence of the human race and uh, what what happens once once we're gone. 
something else will come maybe or maybe nothing we don't know we, there's no way to tell uh, but we definitely you know we will not make it to the end of time I don't think any humans or what we would call humans today will be there when the when the the sun explodes into a supernova well we touched upon this last week how do you think we're going to end up evolving in that time if if we do manage to survive the next big um, meteorite well that's the thing is that uh there will be evolutionary bottlenecks caused by you know, catastrophes and environmental disasters which will cause people with a trait, a beneficial trait, to survive and people without it to mutations. not survive. Or, or, or simply, you know, not necessarily mutations that already exist, just that they're not expressed because uh, they're so rare. But if people with only that mutation survive, then that mutation is going to become a dominant trait because they don't have it. Oh, do you think we're going to see divergences? Um sort of two two kind of distinct paths being taken or oh like the okay Ewoks and the yeah I don't think so <laughs> uh, I, I think it didn't happen to humans when uh, so warlocks no warlocks warlocks Ewoks from the time machine I haven't seen it okay uh, war- Ewoks are from Star Wars man that's I right mean. yeah yeah <laughs> warlocks I was a bit confused though <laughs> Is someone high today? What's going on? I think so. I had a pretty strong... Uh... <laughs> strong coffee. I made you coffee. It was good. Um, what, were we, what were we talking about? Warlocks. Right, right. <laughs> Warlocks. <laughs> so I thinking about Ewoks. And, uh, I really liked the film when I was eight. Return of the Jedi. What do you think they're going to do with the with the sequels? Well, J.J. Abrams is doing, is doing them, right? Uh, which uh, was... What, what he should do, right? To f- make everyone freak out. Is that he... He star Star Warsified Star, star Trek, Trek yeah. right? Made it a bit more of an action movie than you know a bunch of people on the deck of the of the Enterprise talking. Uh, so what you should do is you should Star Trekify Star Wars. So so you have um, what do you call it Yoda meeting Spock or something? <laughs> no, you just have you know like uh, uh, less action, more talk. So were you ever just just no more midi chlorians? Oh that yeah. Be. Let's not have any more metachlorines. Oh, that'd be bad. Were you ever a Star Trek fan? Uh, not really, because when it was airing, uh, TNG, The Next Generation, uh, I was a bit too young for it. And then when the the new ones were airing, they weren't very good, like Voyager and people. Some people really liked them, but just as not a fan of the of the second series, uh, TNG. Not really into them. And I tried watching The Next Generation again because they came on the Blu-ray the first season. And apparently it gets good in the first season because the first season is not not very good. It is it's just. I've tried watching some, and I watched one of the films, and I really couldn't get into it. Was yeah, it the Wrath of Khan and? Yeah, uh, uh, well, those are really old, uh, different Star Trek, like the yeah. sixties. Like the next generation is uh, is cheesy in terms of like. Uh, you know, special effects and the action is terrible, at least in the first season. Um, but the first Star Trek in the sixties, with you know, with, uh, with Leonard Nimoy, Nimoy, and uh, what's his face? Can't remember the name. Uh, what's his name? William Shatner. William Shatner. That, of that's like that's. You know, it, it it was revolution for its time to be to be about space and stuff, but it's still the tropes of nineteen sixties television. So it's just, it's just, it's really hard to watch. It's just. Super cliche in spots, and it's just ah. 
but but I, I understand why people really like it. It's just that I wasn't a child at the right time. Even being a geek, you can't understand. Uh, <laughs> sorry, appreciate. Uh, well, the, the really the movie was really good, but that's because it probably probably played more to my. Oh, like, well, the know, last movie, the last movie, the JJ Abrams yeah. one. And uh, you know, maybe I haven't really given it enough of a chance watching Next Generation. Maybe one of our listeners can uh, can tell us on Twitter which episodes we should watch of the Next Generation, and we can go check them out. Yeah, well, well, if there are any Star Trek fans there. I would give us a message yes, twitter.com slash pie cubed or even uh, post on our Facebook page post on our Facebook page uh, and don't forget to like it whilst you're there hmm don't forget to like it yeah you don't have to like it but you can post there that's sure uh, so yeah let us know if it's uh, if we're missing out uh, I don't know I I prefer Buffy I like Buffy w- more what <laughs> Buffy's really good okay it's one of the best TV shows ever uh, I, I suppose you'll be telling me next that you're a big fan of uh, the Twilight series. And well, it's not the same thing, though. No. Come on, vampires and. Mm. Well, it isn't. Uh, it's just. Uh, have you ever watched Firefly? The TV show Firefly? Nope, I can't like, say I have. Okay, you should watch Firefly if it's really good. It's by the same guy, Joss Whedon. He made the new Avengers movie. And it's just. Vampires are just kind of an allegory for you know teenage demons, right? Literally demons. Demos. <laughs> and uh, it's really funny. The dialogue is very well done. And Twilight is about a a young woman who uh, needs a man, and the vampire, you know, is like he's a bad guy. And well, you I have sex because I'm a vampire. Well, I haven't watched any and stuff, but but I've seen enough memes about it to know that it's a bad love story. It's not just a bad love story, it's, it's an abusive one. So, let's not talk bad about Twilight, because... Uh... <laughs> Alright, let's move on quickly to the last topic, which is the... Not really talk about it in uh, much, but... Uh, let's play some music. Alright, uh, uh, I'm Italian, so the, the Italian elections this week, and I'm not going to comment on them much, just saying that if Berlusconi wins again, I am officially renouncing my citizenship and moving to, I don't know, Papua New Guinea or something. What? I'm then becoming a cannibal. Cannibal? In Papua New Guinea? Yeah. Well, better than having Berlusconi as your prime minister, that's for sure. I suppose. Well, well for those of us who, who aren't too well equipped, who aren't too acquainted with Italian politics? Um, what are the main battlegrounds in the elections? Uh, well, uh, you have there's a coalition of the left. There's uh, Berlusconi. There's uh, has he still got those really hot women who are running for him? Probably, I I would, I would imagine so. Uh, and then there's uh, the last prime minister, which was uh, Monti, which was uh, he was a technocrat, and he has his own party now, like a coalition of the centre. And then there's like uh, a few uh, anti-establishment movements, one which is led by a comedian called Beppe Grillo, uh, who they are a bit populist, but you know compared to Berlusconi and the left, which has been there forever, they might offer a, you know, a new alternative. But I don't know. Uh, we'll see how it goes. At the moment, the, the polls say that the left will win, which is better than Berlusconi, uh, of course, because it can't go any worse. Um, you know, I guess we could elect Pinochet, but if he's dead, uh, and uh, <laughs> so well, let's talk about dead dictators another time. Yeah, let's talk about it another time. Uh, so yeah, we'll next week we'll know, and hopefully I, you know, I will celebrate this this weekend not having Berlusconi, or I will, you know, uh, renounce my my citizenship by next week. At least 
at least uh, the PS4 should be announced by then. Yeah, yeah. Let's focus on the positives. Uh, we're not dead by meteorites, and uh, PS4 be announced, and hopefully Berlusconi will not be president or well, not prime minister. And yeah, so. Uh, uh, we're running late it's an hour and five minutes now uh, thanks everyone for listening to the PiQ podcast uh, if you have any questions uh, suggestions suggestions or criticism hopefully constructive uh, give us a you know anything give us 140 character messages on, message on Twitter Twitter the, uh, our username is PiCubed all in one word on Twitter that's PiCubed at PiCubed whatever twitter.com slash PiCubed uh, or like us on Facebook you can search for us there and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, we'll see you. I'll see you. I'll see you, Salman, next week. And you guys will hopefully listen to us next week. And uh, all right, that's it. Bye.